Today on CityCast Chicago, we're doing things a little bit different, y'all. You see, that's the thing about being a young, new podcast. You can try stuff out, see if it sticks. So we're thinking about, at the end of each week, rounding up the news from across the city of Chicago. It's some things we covered on the podcast, maybe in the newsletter, but also some things we couldn't get to. But we're going to do it our way, with our style, our flair. It's Thursday, June 17th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. First, this piece of news. The CityCast Chicago is off tomorrow in honor of Juneteenth. We'll be back in your feed on Monday. Say hi to me first. <laughs> Say <laughs> hi to me. Uh, so I'm sitting in Carrie Shepard's mudroom. How you feeling, Carrie? Hey, Jacoby. I'm feeling good. I mean, I'm hot. This is a small room. It when is you say mudroom, let's be space. let's be clear. Uh, it's a Chicago condo mudroom. So what what do we got? Like five five feet long? Not even. It looks like five feet by two. Two feet. But this is the best acoustics because we can't fit in my coat closet. We tr- we've tried that. It doesn't work. So the way we're going to do things is pretty simple. Carrie and I are both aware of the topic areas, but we don't know what other stories the person is going to bring. Right? These are stories that, again, we might have covered in the podcast, but they've been on both of our minds throughout the week. Luckily, our producer, Simone Alise, is here to guide us through those topics. Simone, how you feeling? I'm good, and I'm uh, coming to you from Carrie's kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> from the mud room to the kitchen, Matt's out getting some pizzas. I have air also. All right, the first thing you guys are talking about is news you can use. Because I'm the host of the show, I will defer to you. You know, um, I'm going arts culture on news you can use. We learned this week that the even though there's so much reopening in Chicago, um, and it seems that everything's open if you went downtown last weekend like you and I did. Uh, there was a, there were a it lot was of people. ridiculous. It was, it was intense. It really felt like Chicago summer again, right? Wow. A lot of city events are back. But what is not coming back this summer are three of our major music festivals, which would be the Blues Fest, the Jazz Fest, and the Gospel Fest, um, all three of which have deep history in Chicago. Obviously, they take a ton of planning, and so I think uh, I read something from Heather Ireland Robinson, who's the head of the Jazz Institute, that you know when they would have needed to plan the Jazz Festival, they didn't. We didn't even know about vaccines yet, so it just wasn't going to happen. I do think that's important news you can use to understand where we really are with huge events and openings. I think there was a little bit of like pulling back the curtain. Hey, everyone come back. We're here. Lollapalooza is happening. This is open. This is open. Take the boat cruises. But these are big festivals that are not coming back. The city does plan to still honor each of those festivals, right? Correct. At Millennium Park, they plan on doing a night at the Pritzker Pavilion for gospel, for jazz, for blues. And it's important for people to know that, you know, Chicago, the the history we have, particularly with black music, is so illustrious, is so well-renowned. And so for us to not have arguably four of our biggest festivals, because while we still have House City, the Chosen Few picnic is off as well. And so it really is a shame that these 
you know, sort of black genres that help push Chicago on the map is arguably, you know, the black mecca throughout the 1900s won't be represented. So and remind our listeners uh, if they don't know what the chosen few picnic. Yeah, is. Chicago is the birthplace for house music. Don't let anybody tell you different. No. And the chosen few are some of the founding DJs of the genre, and they throw this huge picnic and festival. Uh, like you said, that draws thousands upon thousands of people from not only Chicago, but from around the world. Modern day EDM, electronic music, a lot of that has its roots in Chicago house music, the music that really got the house jumping, that made house parties what they were. I grew up in the skating rink at the juke jams, and so house music was still a huge part of my childhood as well. We've been talking all week in some form or fashion about Juneteenth. And if you look at today's newsletter, Sydney is going to be talking about this exact story, which is how many Chicago black restaurants are going to be participating in Juneteenth specials. Nice. And yeah. it's well over 90. Uh, and so Nine there's zero. this. Yes. Yeah, so this local organization, Black People Eats, was founded in 2017. And their goal was to curate black owned restaurants for the members of Chicago. And I think it's really important for people to know that this history of food festivals run deep, right? Juneteenth celebrations started popping up in Texas around 1866, and then they started making their way across the South in the early 1900s, and they were often being celebrated with food festivals. Mm -hmm. And so I think- I didn't know that. Yeah, taking this rich history of culinary arts that Black people have really started from the bottom with, having to take the scraps to turn them into these decadent, world-class meals, just to see that evolution of Chicago food, of Black food in the city being celebrated and represented during Juneteenth uh, is so important. And so the Chicago Tribune has a map that will show you where all of these restaurants are. They're as far up as Evanston. You can get down to Tinley Park, Richland Park. They have a couple right at the Chicago-Indiana border, west side, north side, south side, right? Black-owned restaurants are all over the city. And so it's really good to see all of them plotted on this map. Nice. My G. Uh, Simone, what we got next on the docket? Next, we want you both to tell us something you learned from CityCast Chicago this week. Jacoby, you start. All right, so I got this article from Sydney Madden, our newsletter writer, Chicago Sun-Times article that really sparked my interest, and it was about Illinois' illegal weed sales. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, we've, yeah, we've had a few episodes that looked at what legal weed looks like in the city. We've talked to um, Manny from over in Pilsen about cooking with weed. We've talked with uh, New Leaf about helping people get their record expunged. But I think what's really interesting about this conversation is- Illegal weed is still thriving in Chicago. In fact, it's still making more money than legal dispensaries. And that's for a number of reasons. One, we still got to get more licenses out. We still got to open more dispensaries across the city. Equity. We Equity. still need, yes. Two, expense. Buying weed in Illinois is still way too expensive. So I have a lot of questions mm -hmm. about this story. And I... You know, I feel like a lot of times when we talk expensive and expensive on anything, right? From mm -hmm. house home prices to illegal and legal weed, it's all relative. But give us a sense like what expensive is. For sure. I think one of the most common ways people buy weed is through like a, a three five or a, a eighth, right? Mm -hmm. And that's an eighth of an ounce. And that can usually cost you on the streets somewhere between thirty five dollars. $40, $50, and, and then it can keep going up, right? Depending on who's selling it, how good the weed is, where they claim it came from, or <laughs> right. what the name is. 
But what you're seeing inside of legal dispensaries is that the price tag after taxes is usually somewhere near 80 bucks. Whoa. For three and a half grams a week. My hope is the more dispensaries we add, the more shops we add, the more growers we add, we can start to rein that price in. But I don't, they're, they're saying by 2023, legal weed sales will overtake. And besides equity and expense, I also think Illinois needs to address entertainment. Tell like, me more. I can go out and have a drink in a thousand different settings, rooftop bars, uh, underground speakeasies. I can do it outside on a patio. I can do it during a pop-up event. I can go to a bar. Illinois still says, buy your weed and go home. Right. Buy your weed and go home. And the more we make that difficult, you know, we'll keep seeing, you know, my neighborhood uh, dealer sitting fine. I like uh, this quote from Tom Shuba's article mm -hmm. in the Sun-Times that you had referenced. Quote, if you're some dork who only learned about pricing from the $60, and I obviously know that your only other reference for weed is that, then cool, said the dealer, who, in parentheses, who admits to offering more affordable deals to, quote, starving artists, broke people, homies, and pretty girls. Right? And that's, that sounds exactly <laughs> that like... That is such a fantastic quote for a homies. reporter to get. Uh, that was great. So what did you learn from City Cash Chicago today? A lot. Well, I just learned a lot from that. So <laughs> I, would, I would say that. That was extremely helpful. But um, even though I... Are, episode of the podcast on Monday was with Tracy Bame, who is currently the publisher of the Chicago Reader, who has really is, I would consider this fantastic historian of mm -hmm. gay Chicago. Tracy started Windy City Times, which was this, you know, long running paper for the gay community, for the LGBTQ community that just um, stopped publishing in print last year, but is still digital. But Something Tracy says is like in the 80s, like, look what they were covering. It was the AIDS epidemic. So many of those people are no longer with us. And it's such this pivotal moment in all of history, but especially Chicago history. So she's got these great, like she said, she told us that she had mm -hmm. this recording. This I, this didn't make the podcast, but this taped interview with Harold Washington. Yeah. And she found the note, or she got the notes that Harold Washington, our first black mayor's press aide, gave him to prepare for the interview with Tracy. And this was really interesting. You know, there were these long time rumors for decades that Mayor Harold Washington was secretly gay. And she asked him about the rumors, and he had this really, do you remember this? Yeah, she, she said he had this really. Like, no, she said he responded in the best way a person in that position yes. could respond by right. both saying he wasn't offended, but he also understood that it was being used by his political opponents right. as an attack on him. Yep. And honestly, I had not heard those rumors coming up. Really? I, that's not something that I found in the archives when I was writing my thesis, because I did know that he was supportive towards the LGBTQ yeah, yeah, plus with human rights ordinance and, in yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Simone Baloney, <laughs> what direction should we be going next? All right. So obviously we can never get to everything each week here in Chicago. There's lots of stuff we leave on the table. So I want you each to tell me a story, uh, a news story you just couldn't care less about that got a lot of hype, but you were like, eh, not my thing. Uh, Carrie, let's start with you. 
I love these stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I could write, I wrote like three or four down. And when you work in a newsroom, you know, I have to say, you know, around beat reporters, every beat reporter, as they should, is such a champion for their beat and that every little thing that happens is the biggest deal ever. And I just think like nobody actually in the general public gives a shit about that. <laughs> like it just can't possibly. This is one I'm, I could go either way with actually. And I'm, I really want to know your take on it, Jacoby. Um, there, you know, the, I think it was Gregory Pratt from the Tribune foiled the mayor's um, some communication from the mayor. These emails to her staff were, they were intense and harsh and and patronizing and similar to like an elementary school teacher. The subject line is office time. And since my prior requests for office time are routinely ignored, I am now resorting to this. And she repeats like a like a paragraph worth of I need office time every day. I need office time every day. I need office time every day. This is one of those things I always am on the fence about and usually I fall on the fence side of the public doesn't care. Mm-hmm. We've had three mass shootings. Four. Four in a week. And like who cares? how the mayor is talking to her staff. Who cares about internal communications? We've all had a bad boss. I just feel like, does the public care? Like, I think the public's like, what are you going to do about the violence? What are you going to do about reopening? What are you going to do about people not having jobs? I also see the argument of, that email is really emblematic of how the mayor communicates with her, really, with her staff, her underlings, people for whom she has power over, and it's it's pretty crappy. That was my thought. At first, I didn't care, and then I thought to myself, well, I didn't care because, like you said, I want the mayor to be focused on all these other issues. But with that being said, every issue that's important to her, right, balancing the budget, addressing violence, you know, building more housing, these all have to be done in partnership with other people. And if this is how you communicate with the people closest to you, when you think people are not looking, because that's the thing, it's easy to apologize for these emails once a Freedom of Information Act is out and now everybody on Twitter can see it. And for me, it's... This is how you talk to people when you think no one is looking. I don't understand how you could think no one is looking in 2021 because everybody is looking. And so I ended up caring more about the story because, like you said, it's also a representation of what we've heard for the last two years, which is people don't feel the mayor is that easy to work with. But there has to be some grace. Yes, that's a good word. Simone Baloney, what's our next topic? All right. We get to these last two categories very quickly. Uh, the first one is want to talk about moment of joy. What was a moment of joy you had this week, Carrie? One of my favorite, favorite sections in Sydney Madden, our newsletter writers daily newsletter is the moment of joy. My moment of joy actually was, I think last weekend hearing my former colleague and friend, uh, WBEZ reporter, Adriana Cardona Magigad 
did a beautiful, sound-rich story about Sen High School's prom that the teachers and faculty had put together for these graduating seniors who just had this really, uh, we all had an awful year, of course, but um, what a strange time to be leaving and entering this very big point in your life. Um, And it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful to hear young people happy, celebrating, being with their friends, just, just, Doing what they should be doing, enjoying, enjoying being together. Uh, for me, I know a lot of people have been talking about it, uh, and even in her presser, Mackenzie Scott talked about not wanting the attention to be on her as the donor. Yeah. Because personally, I think with all the money that she got and the way she got it off Amazon, you should be giving that money back. Uh, but it was good to see some recognizable names get donations. Uh, yesterday in Chicago. Yes. And there are a few places that I've worked at. I used to work at Harper College and Kennedy King. Nice. Both of those places got uh, donations. I currently am a- Harper uh, does, Kennedy King is City College. Yeah. In- Kennedy King is a, a community college in, on the south side of Chicago. Right. Harper College is a community college on the northwest side out in Palatine. Yes. I thought that was really cool. This this last one is special to, to you too, to Jacoby and Carrie. Could you each give us your favorite duet? Jacoby? My favorite duet is Say, Say, Say by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. And a lot of it has to do with the video. The video is just them hustling people. Just hustling (laughs) people with this fake energy drink that gives you strength. But no, Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney just running the game on folks. Guaranteed to give you unbelievable power. Yes, my friends, to give you the strength of I don't. I cannot top that. You know, Jacoby knows I love some Motown and soul, and uh, mine is uh, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Listen, baby, ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low, ain't no river wide enough, baby. If you need me, call me. No matter where you are, no matter how long, no Jacoby and I both like to sing a lot. And we have so many outtakes of us singing. We have so many outtakes of just poor Simone's like I'm trying I'm trying to get in here, but you guys are talking about singing or singing. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta give a big thank you to our producer Simone Alisea for guiding us through today's topics, to my lead producer Carrie Shepard for bringing the idea up. You know, for trying something new. Again, we cover so many stories throughout the week, but with just a daily 15-minute podcast in Chicago, 
is so much more. So to be able to sit down and break through and really look at some of these stories, uh, it's been a fantastic day. Carrie, I appreciate you for joining me. Thanks, Jacoby. So fun. The source of so many of these and more stories on CityCast Chicago come from Sydney Madden, our amazing newsletter writer. Remember to sign up for it at chicago.citycast.fm. A special thanks to producer Natalie Rivera in LA. We wish we didn't just see you on Zoom, Natalie, but you're always with us in spirit. To Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop and Sam Trump, thank you for the amazing music that y'all give us every single day to work with. And as always, I have to save that last thank you for you, the listener. I know I won't be with you tomorrow as we celebrate Juneteenth, but I'll talk to you again on Monday. Peace. Ooh, I'm hot. <laughs> get some air. Oh, okay, get some air open.